Hi everyone, welcome to episode 7 of our podcast. Uh, we're going to jump into today straight away because we've got so many questions. First thing we want to say is pretty, it's actually a pretty big announcement today. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to make our, well, our very first course that we worked on the pronunciation mastery 100% free from today pretty much, right? Yeah. We decided that the reason, well, one of the reasons we're doing it is because we want to spread our brand about a little bit, you know, get it, get it out there and therefore give as many, many, uh, give as much access to people as we possibly can. But also the pronunciation course is kind of a prerequisite to our flagship product, the Mandarin Blueprint Method. So if you're an absolute beginner, Mm. The, the, the Mandarin Blueprint method is, is for you, but you need a basis in pronunciation. So we thought, why create that barrier? So we're just going to put it out there for everybody to use free of charge. Yeah, exactly. So the idea, you know, we this is a good course. It's got 180 videos. Mm. It's got uh, nine Anki decks plus two bonus Anki decks and loads of PDFs and all that all that good stuff. And we're giving it away for free because, you know, it's what are you going to say to somebody? You're an absolute beginner mm. and start with the Mandarin blueprint method, but you don't know about pinyin or you don't know about pronunciation. It seems like if we then say, oh, and we have this expensive course on pronunciation previously it was $150. So yeah. it's now uh, down to $0. So we thought that was too big of a barrier to entry. So now it's free for everyone. And regardless of whether you're a beginner or you're advanced, check it out because I mean, any advanced learner, can improve their pronunciation almost definitely. So, you know, it's spent, a good chance for you to improve mm, in that way. Spent several years on that, yeah, technically, and you know, hundreds of hours testing it, getting feedback from two hundred or so clients, two hundred fifty or so clients, and yeah, it's kind of uh, it's kind of our first, uh, yeah. you know, last first, winter. Yeah. Last winter, I was just that's all I did every day from morning to night, just editing the uh, videos. And uh, it, so, you know, for me, it feels very much like our, you know, it's our first products and it was our first video course. So we always yeah. feel like it's very special, special to us in that way. And uh, I figured we'd start off the uh, listener feedback, comments and questions with something about the exact, this exact thing, which is a comment less left on the very last video of the pronunciation mastery this week from Deborah Jansen. And she says, absolutely brilliant course, gold standard for how to teach a language. Well. High praise. The videos are excellent and precise. You do them in a soundproof booth, and that produced crystal clear sound quality. I'm totally impressed, and your enthusiasm, ability to engage, great supporting documentation, and Anki decks have produced a complete package that I've enjoyed immensely. I'll leave a Facebook review as well. I look forward to starting the character course. Well, you know, thank you. <laughs> That's the most, the most of what I can say. And I'm really, I'm just so glad that. Uh, you got a lot out of it. That was the goal. We just want you to be able to say everything in Chinese accurately. It's absolutely the best way to start because you're going to be able to understand people better. Mm. You're going to be understood more. And so uh, thank you, Deborah, for that ringing endorsement. And to everybody else, that ringing endorsement is representative of a now $0 product. So check it out. Next one we've got is uh, Chad Ressler for Level 5 Complete. So this will be in the Mandarin Blueprint method, yeah. yeah. One of the key points Phil made was about zero days. Working. I think he meant zero days off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is actually something. Or no zero days. I saw this in a Reddit post uh, mm. years ago before we started uh, Mandarin Blueprint, and there was just this really just motivated guy giving a post, mm. and uh, that was one of his mottos: like, never have a zero day. Never mm-hmm. have a zero day. Just do if if you've done the whole day without doing something towards whatever it is you're working on. In this mm-hmm. case, obviously Chinese. Just do one character, just watch one video, just you know, listen to one 10 minute podcast, whatever it is. Just do something before going to bed. Never have a zero day. See, so he continues, says, working through the levels, you definitely reach a point where not working through a lesson or practicing pronunciation throws your day off. Mm. Phil also mentioned that there will be days when you will do a lot of videos versus days when you might only do one. When you have days where you are working through a lot of videos, be sure to use time boxing, the method that Phil discussed in previous videos. In level five, I saw the chance to do several characters, as many in this level are related, and I abandoned time boxing to try and power through them all. As a result, I had to take a day away from what he burnt out, basically. Mm-hmm. I had to take a day away from working on new characters because I really didn't develop good movie scenes for them, and I've had to spend more time reviewing them. However, 
the day spent away from characters meant reviewing a lesson from pronunciation mastery course as well as working on Anki. Mm. So, that, oh, sorry, he didn't really burn out in this case. That can happen if you mm -hmm. try and do too many at one time. But he just, saw, I guess you could just say he, he rushed through them. Now, I actually, we, we, we often encourage rushing through them yeah. or just to try and take the training wheels off and see how fast you can do it and then just see what Anki says. But one thing he mentioned there was time boxing. So, mm -hmm. do you want to tell them a little bit more about that? Sure. So, well, I think this makes a lot of sense what he said here because time boxing is basically where you take. You know, it's pretty ideal to do with the pronunciation course and the character learning course mm. if you're at the beginning. So time boxing would be, for example, you take 10 minutes and you focus only on the pronunciation course. Could be the reviews, could be uh, the actual video content. And let's just say you do that for 10 minutes. Mm. Then you take a two-minute break and you check your email, you check WeChat, you do whatever during that period of time. And then you start 10 minutes on a different task. So you go to 10 minutes of... Uh, the Mandarin Blueprint method and learning a character. Or you could, there's a million iterations you could do. I'm learning for 10 minutes and then I'm reviewing for 10 minutes. So I'm learning, whatever. Mm. But the main thing is that what you're doing by doing this 10 minute, two minute break and then switching between activities is giving your unconscious a chance to process what was happening in the first session while you're doing the second session. So again, it's unconscious processing, but it's incredibly uh, well-researched that if you let mm. something process in your unconscious, you'll be able to more quickly recall it and bring it up as a, you'll be able to more quickly acquire the knowledge and learn it you know, in that way. So I think that this is probably because, you know, if you imagine that you're just doing characters, 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 you're kind of focusing the energy in your brain, like act the actual energy moving between neurons on one mm. spot. And just like if you're at the gym and you're lifting weights, if you only did, you know, one exercise and you never moved mm. to another exercise, you're going to wear out that muscle group really quickly. Well, maybe you're wearing out that neuron group too quickly if you only focus on one thing. So by time boxing, you jump around to different things and give, your chance, give yourself an integrated chance to, um, you know, give that your brain a chance to process it and rest but I would say that as you progress through the Mandarin Blueprint method, it becomes automatically varied anyway. Because mm -hmm. as you as you progress, the uh, more character like uh, later on, the characters have I guess you could say more bang for their buck. Like so you you learn a character and it unlo can unlock three five words, and each mm -hmm. one of those five words might have a couple of uses each, and each one of those uses has a sentence and then dialogues. And later on, we're also adding stories and stuff like that later as well. So yeah. as you progress through, you're going to naturally, so you wouldn't have to like uh, categorize them. You could just say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing just Mandarin Blueprint method, but do it all in order. So a word comes up, you go and learn that word. Mm -hmm. oh, then you review the, the, you create the flashcard for it. Mm -hmm. And you maybe review the flashcard and then you look at the sentence, do the same thing and then go back to the next character and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, there's actually a lot of um, theory behind why we were happy to do it that way because, again, like you said, it automatically mixes it up. So if you have a uh, make a movie lesson followed by a new vocabulary unlocked lesson, you're going from one way of thinking, which mm. is a mnemonic visualization to remember everything about an individual character, to learning how the uh, that character combined with the character you previously learned how do they relate to each other and how can they be used in a sentence it's just a different type of thinking mm -hmm. so the fact that you're switching around like that can really help and um that's not to say that you can't take another approach where you just say i'm just going to focus on characters but if you do that then definitely at least take a little break every 10 minutes or so and and by the way <clears> we have a uh, an article about time boxing it doesn't have to just be that 10 minute two minute break thing there's a million other variations but check out yeah. Uh, ajat.com, A-J-A-T-T, -T, mm -hmm. all Japanese, all the time.com. That's where we got really inspired about time boxing because the official time boxing technique that is called the pom pom Pomodoro te technique, yeah. sorry, uh, 25 minutes on, five minutes rest. You know, 25 minutes work, five minutes rest. Mm -hmm. But um, there's loads of different variations you can do to mix it up and you can work on three different things, four different things at the same time and all this sort of stuff. So. Go and check out his, well, our article, but it's basically based on his article as well. So you go and check out that too. Uh, learn about time boxing. Get Zen Timer for your computer. Yeah. It's a great time boxing app that you like yeah. to use. Yeah, I've you? used it a lot. And imp start employing time boxing. Start integrating it into your study routine. It will pay off massively. Okay. So next, mm. we have a series of comments that are specifically focused on actors 
that people chose to represent a pinion initial. So this is, if you're unfamiliar and this is first time listening to the podcast, when you do a mnemonic visualization in the Mandarin Blueprint method, uh, you have to have something that visually represents the first letter or two letters of the pinion pronunciation. And so we gave a bunch of suggestions. You can pick people from your life. There's fictional characters involved. There's world leaders involved. You can pick celebrities and things like that. But by no means do we give an exhaustive list because, you know, there's – we first of all, we don't know your, your uh, family members. And also we uh, – the fictional universe, I mean, come on, it's it's – practically infinite so we encourage people to give their suggestions and so here are five suggestions that people made the first two both come from uh the casting call for the letter f so you want to think of somebody who has an f in their name and uh i thought both of these were pretty funny yeah so the first one is uh jim uh he chose i chose felix latman as my actor for the f initial now i know who this guy is straight away Mm -hmm. um again it was around about the same time uh, we started up mandarin blueprint I, uh, i i found this guy um, he, he runs a really popular course on Udemy about learning Chinese. He's just got a great personality and he's, he's inspired us in a way as well, like how to, uh, you know, to, to put in a lot of effort into our videos and uh, energy and stuff like that. He's, he's great. Um, uh, he's the founder of Domino Chinese. Um, mm-hmm. Check out dominochinese.com. He has videos related to China, Chinese language, Chinese culture um, on YouTube and Facebook. So Yeah, he definitely is a funny guy. He's got a good... Uh, personality in that way yeah um, I, I believe he's focusing a lot on swedish now but um yeah it's worth definitely worth checking out yeah uh, another one from chad again uh letter f choosing a person for that uh he chose <laughs> chose phil crimmins that's huh. this guy yeah yeah so i thought this was funny because well first of all it's a point about sound my name starts with ph but it sounds like f so it's like yeah. that's fine but it's also interesting because it shows just how good we are at recognizing faces because mm. You can find somebody, I mean, both of these are people that, from the internet, Felix or myself, it's just people you saw in videos on the internet, but it works. You can still imagine it. And so it's kind of incredible that we're able to have such quick facial recognition in that way. Yeah, so thanks, Chad. Uh, Another one from Jim. I chose my mother to represent the actor for the YI or E initial. Her name is spelled Irina, Mm -hmm. which would be pronounced as Irina. Yeah, I got that right. But pronounced Irina in her native language, Russian. So oh. excellent. So he's really personalized. Jim's very good at uh, personalizing everything. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's great. And that's a hard one too. Like of all the actors that you have to choose is 55. I always find that E one to be a little bit tricky because there's a lot of times sounds don't start that way. But then in the case of uh, Russian, you get you have something like that. So that's kind of cool. That's right. Um, Chad Wrestler again on character 45 as in bianhua to transform uh the casting call for h ha ho mo donnie yen's character in kung fu killer i haven't seen that one but i do i'm a big fan of donnie yen yeah and so he picked uh and also for the next one they're they're fictional characters that represent mm. everything that relates to the u sound so in that mm. case it was hua hua right so that was why he picked a fictional character in that case yeah, and one more for Luan, so it's Lu, so it'd be another fictional uh, character by chosen by Jim. Lu is Lola Bunny, Bugs Bunny's crush. Yeah, yeah, so. classic stuff. So, you know, all of these are perfectly good, and, you know, I, again, I really liked how personal they were getting, especially mm-hmm. Jim. I mean, yeah, like you said, he's very good at that, and if you make it somebody who you have a connection with, then you just invite the scene to have a different type of feeling, and you were talking about the differences between... Uh, you know, when you time box having a different thing going on mm. in when you move between different activities, well, there's even that built into the mnemonics because every scene, every character that you learn is going to have a different actor with different traits and uh, different props. And so, mm-hmm. you know, who knows where your brain's going to go with that. So, yeah. All right. Mm. Next, we also we have a question uh, or, well, <laughs> it's a bit of more of um, some some notes about the none of us are bad at languages uh, bonus bonus video. So, Jim says, you said that we all have innate ability to acquire language. However, a lot of people point to the quote-unquote language barrier when it comes to moving to another country or seeking work opportunities. Does the notion of a language barrier exist because people think they are bad at languages? 
maybe such people tried learning foreign languages but never learned how to learn a foreign language properly. I think anyone who is studying a foreign language or thinking about studying a foreign language should ask, how would a linguist study a language um, to the point of acquisition? That's what you did during phase two of your Chinese learning journey. So, yeah, I'm, I like what Jim's pointing out here. I mean, the language barrier thing, like, I don't think anybody thinks that, you know, just because we're, we have the innate ability to acquire language, that therefore it happens instantly. So the language barrier, to some degree, is like, oh, it takes some time to get to well, the point. As far as I fluent. understand, the language barrier is simply, oh, I don't speak your language. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Right, right. <laughs> like, that's what I thought it was. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's not. Of course, the language barrier exists because it's not an instantaneous process. That would be nice. You just download it into your brain or something. But I do think he's right that people will think that they are bad at languages and therefore kind of. Um, shoot themselves in the foot right off the bat because if that yeah. your attitude will massively affect how you spend your day-to-day -day time and so if I think oh I'm just no good at math then if somebody hits me with a math problem I'll immediately go well I'm bad at this so I won't even try mm -hmm. and so if if you can get rid of that idea that you're bad at acquiring languages like many of our past clients had and we luckily were able to convince them that it's not true then you'll at least get this you know unnecessary self-made barrier out mm -hmm. of the way and I think, yeah, the, the key point of this is many people that have tried learning have never learned how to learn a foreign language. And we, it's one of the key things I say, I believe in that video or maybe the little video before it, but it's, it's, we, we are taught the wrong way how to learn languages. We're taught in an academic way. Mm -hmm. And you know, not to blame teachers themselves, cause, but it's just, it's just the way the system's set up. It's just easier to test that style of teaching yeah you know so yeah. but yeah it's uh it's, it's a shame because we before learning a language effectively um for most people anyway you first have to unlearn all the stuff you were taught in school you know you don't really need grammar explanations to that larger degree you don't really need a textbook and a tutor and a blackboard necessarily you know yeah the one mm -hmm. that really got me uh, when i was in university when i really just thought about how unnecessary it is is like we would take three words and talk about what different context you might use these three words. And I remember just thinking, we're talking about such detailed stuff about how you, because I mean, four years, it doesn't take four years to learn a language. So it's like the academic four year degree. It's like, all right, we got to fill this with something. So <coughs> they do something like we're going to compare uh, well, you learn about a language, don't you? You right, don't necessarily right. learn the language itself, unfortunately. And that, that to me was just like way overkill. Mm -hmm. All right. So Sydney Green is the next one on Thai, as in too much, not too like, excessive, whatever. Mm. Great job, Phil, with the fifth podcast. Thank you. Uh, it was a mammoth task, but you made it so helpful <laughs> and interesting. Well, congratulations to Luke and his uh, fiance, and I wish them every blessing in their coming new life together. Thank you. Um, is the look at the end because it is assumed she didn't look beautiful yesterday, or is it there for another reason? Yeah, yeah. So he was you saying Thai Piao was the uh, <laughs> sentence. And, you know, this is something that's kind of an interesting thing. So first of all, the Thai adjective look is a set phrase in a way, but, you know, really what it is, is it's hyperbole is what's happening there. So, he, you know, if you say to some, you know, if I say to Luke, oh, I'm not literally saying you're too smart. You're, you're too smart. <laughs> Stop being so smart. It's, it's actually a problem. No, I'm just saying like, you know, oh, man, you're too smart, man. Like it's yeah, like that's it's contextual. So the yeah. point being that. Theoretically, you could say that uh, she looks better today than in the past or whatever, but the idea here is that most of the time with two, it's there's an implication, if it were literal, that it wasn't that way before. So if I were pouring water into this uh, – well, there's a glass in my hand for the audio listeners – but if I was pouring water into the bottle and then suddenly there was too much water, I would say, oh, tai duola, because before there it was fine, but then – oh. Now there's less, so the l does have a you know technical usage there, but in this case it's just hyperbole. I could just think of an example to explain it quite easily, which is so a boyfriend saying to his girlfriend, "Ni tai piaolana," it's just mm. like you know you're you're so beautiful. Whereas a girlfriend saying to her boyfriend about his work colleague that he just went for lunch with, mm. she might say, "Ta tai piaolana." Like she's too beautiful, you're not allowed to have lunch with her. You know? <laughs> so that that's yeah. a good way to sort of remember it. Sure, sure. Um, so it can be both of those depending on the context. All right. All right. So another one from uh, Jim for character seventeen. Well, well, just oh. so just briefly. Oh, sorry. this is um this section here 
is just like we did before with mm. the uh, all the people picking their actors. This one is going to be a set of uh, props that people picked, and props are where you pick an object to represent a character component. Now, sometimes this is a pure character component, like Zhen, um, uh, which will be on the left side, or or Shui, which is like three little uh, uh, lines that represent water. Um, but sometimes they're a full character that is a component in a later character, because you know mm. characters get more complicated as you move on. And you'll notice this very quickly as you start to learn Chinese that uh, mm. the majority of characters really they contain full characters within them, mm -hmm. uh, so they can also be used as props, objects to represent a character component. So one of the key elements that the memory athletes use to make memory palaces to remember all this crazy stuff: right, people, right. places, objects, and actions. Right. And they all represent different things. Right? Mm. So yeah. Uh, so we've got Jim here with character 17, ba number eight. Pick a prop for you know those two lines that represent number eight. Mm. And he, he thinks that he says, uh, do you think wooden legs such as those on a pirate would be good choice of prop to represent ba? And I was I just thought immediately that character from Family Guy, you know, with like the four, he's got two, oh, right, two yeah. wooden arms, two wooden legs. But I was like, yeah, that's fine. That's you know, give you whatever actor is in that scene in which you know with those uh, two two sort of lines with that ba prop. Make give them wooden legs, and I also said I remember I replied to him and I said yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good chance to bring in some sort of audio effects as well. Like you can hear the clunking of the wood on the floor, mm, and you yeah. can maybe kick stuff with it, and you know it has a different feeling to it as well. So that it gives you a chance to bring in some other senses to that scene. Mm, yeah. Mm. Next we have a, a prop from uh, Chad on character number forty-seven for mm. buy to mm. pick a prop, and this buy the original character means one hundred, so or hundred. If you rotate the character counterclockwise, it sort of looks like 100, and I can see what he means. Uh, and so he says, I, I'm thinking of imagining like a giant bedazzled rotating number 100. So this is an interesting one because mm. what he's, you know, it'll probably work, but you know, yeah. it's a little bit against the rules because digits and letters are kind of, you know, the whole point of this is to make a visual representation that we're better at recognizing than letters or numbers on the page. You know, yeah. that's in terms of our evolution, those are brand new things that we've figured out how to recognize. But when it comes to this, you'll probably remember it. But I did think when Chad sent this, uh, this reminded me when he talked about the rotating number 100. Uh, I don't know if you have this in England, but in America, there's this uh, daytime game show. It's usually on at like 11 a.m. or something called The Price is Right. Yeah, yeah. And, we had the uh, same. We had, a, we had our own version. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So at the end of The Price is Right, when there was like a contestant that reached a certain ah. point, they would spin this wheel. Mm -hmm. And if it landed on $1, which didn't have a decimal point, just said 100, that was a big thing. And the you know, lights would go off and whatever. So if I imagine Bob Barker and the big wheel there and somebody spinning it that could be a way to move mm. the bedazzled 100 into something that's a bit more visual so remember that guys uh you don't want to imagine anything that is an actual character an actual letter or an actual number unless it's really obvious like, i remember looking at this and i was like well n the number 100 is so round and easy to as an object but that's the whole point we're trying to transform everything into an a recognizable simple object mm. to make it easy yeah. Um, so, because that's what our brains are built for. So, yeah, try and avoid doing that if you can. All right. So next we have Jim again. <clears throat> he says, "My chosen prop for Ma, which is the character for horse, is the Trojan horse of the Trojan War in Battle of Troy. Great pick. I just thought of a keyword association for Ma horse. The keyword association is two basketball players playing a game of horse. H O R S E. I played that a lot as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who run from the game, horses when one basketball player takes a shot on the court or does a trick shot, and the other basketball player has to shoot the, s shoot the same shot and get the same result. Uh, if one basketball player misses the first shot and the other basketball player makes the first shot, then the player who missed the first shot gets a letter H. And so, you know, you count that up to H-O-R-S-E. I remember playing this as a kid, and we would do the most crazy, mm -hmm. you know, like over the head, you know, hook shots, whatever. And whenever you managed to make some crazy trick shot, you were just like, yes, no doubt. Yeah, so, and it's very personal, but I've got to say, I'm not, I'm not really in too much in support of this one because when you're thinking of keywords – keyword connections like a visual you're, you're thinking of a visual representation of the meaning of the character mm. but it doesn't mean you know guys playing basketball it means the animal the horse so 
really, as a rule, you want to you want to make sure that you you imagine an actual horse of some kind. Otherwise, you'll well, it's just not it's just not the way it's done. I, right? I think that in this case, it, it's it's um you're you're right, and it's probably better to think of an, an actual horse. I mean, mm. I do think that if you remember the word horse, you'll you'll be okay. But there is an exception to this, which is <clears throat> you know take this for example. So we have a. Uh, a character that we teach, ju, uh, which means sentence, and a sentence, as in, like, what it means is a sentence, like you write down a sentence or you say a sentence. Right. It's very but obviously, yeah. yeah, and but obviously, there's a, um, there's another use. There's a homo, uh, not homonym. No, is it homonym? Synonym. Synonym. Well, no, it's another <laughs> another definition for the same word, sentence, which is to sentence someone oh, right. to yeah, a, a penalty or sentence someone to death or something. And so we would say that because that is quite visual, you can imagine the jury standing up and mm. saying, "We, we say he's guilty. You're sentenced yeah. to death." And the feeling around that, that th the simple connection to the fact that it's. Uh, just the alternate definition in English is enough. And then you'll remember the character it's and enough. you know, you'll know that it doesn't mean that when yeah. you see it in context. So yeah. it is okay to do that sometimes, but in this case, horse is super it's a horse. concrete. Yeah. There's no need to Keep necessarily it simple, make it know? too yeah, yeah. And also even in that case, I can think of a way round sentence, you know, sure. you know, it's like a fortune cookie coming out mm -hmm. of a sentence. You know, it's yeah. uh, there's all sorts of ways you can always work around to represent the keyword uh, meaning as close as you possibly can. So Again, Jim, we love how personal that is, and the Trojan horse is a fantastic prop. But yeah, actually, they, I think the Trojan horse is like a much better uh, pro, like I mean, keyword connection it, to begin with. That yeah. in itself would be great as a keyword yeah. connection and a prop. You can remember, you can do, you can keep them. You can keep whatever uh, keyword connection object you use to represent the meaning as a prop. Yeah, yeah. If, if that character is then used as a prop in other characters, so mm. yeah. All right, Ryan Smith. On character number 74, Shang, as in on, above or on top of. And uh, for that, as a prop, we recommend something to do with God. Because uh, imagine uh, whatever God that uh, you associate with. Um, so it's always God above, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah God above, exactly. Mm. So uh, related to God, he said, I'm imagining the iconic pearly gates to heaven. Sure. And that works. I mean, there's another character later on, Tian, uh, mm -hmm. Day or yeah. Heaven which uh, we also recommend as the pearly gates, but of course it doesn't matter. You can just choose something else when you get to that. Yeah, yeah, there's plenty of options. Yeah. Uh, another one from Jim here. My original choice of the prop for R, he's on character 20, pick a prop for that, which means sun. Yeah, sun. Uh, the component was sexy human legs because it looks like human legs. Uh, but I'm considering changing it to mannequin legs instead. What do you think? And I, I remember I, I replied to this and was trying to think, what did I say? It was something, I basically said that, it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. But I personally would find mannequin legs easier because they're actual real-life objects that I can imagine interacting with. Yeah. Whereas human legs, like if you're imagining just a, a pair of like animated cut-off legs, that's that's really engaging. But it's also slightly harder for me to imagine because I have to literally make. I've never seen that, and hopefully you yeah. haven't either. So <laughs> I have to make that up in my head. It's not. It's not a human legs, but from the Adams family, there was what was it called? Cousin it or uh, the thing? I, or, I used you know, to imagine thing. Yeah. The thing. That's a was, hand. Was but my, it's a similar that was my thing. hand prop. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. For what? For my thing, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. But I do like the idea of mannequin legs because, like you said, it's just like you could just imagine using them. And but uh, you can answer your own question for these sorts of. Uh, you can answer these sorts of questions yourselves by mm. thinking what is easier and more entertaining and more memorable for me personally. Mannequin mm. legs, human legs. Oh, okay, human legs, brilliant. So I'll just do that. You know. Mm. So All right. fantastic. Um, another quite long one from Jim. Yeah, sure. This is about uh, comprehensible <coughs> input. So he says, it's true that comprehensible input, reading and listening to messages we can understand, builds our language modules and eventually allows us to produce the language comfortably and fluently through speaking and writing. Well articulated. I think it's also true that people acquire their native languages and foreign languages at different rates. Yeah, it's probably true. For example, let's talk about English as a native language. Some babies spoke their first word of English when they were 15 months old, while some babies may have spoken their first English word at 20 months. No matter at what age the baby spoke their first word in English, I don't think their parents were rushing them to speak as soon as possible. Likewise, I don't think adults should feel like they should speak their foreign language as soon as possible. Do you agree with the points I made in this comment, and would you like to add anything else? Well. I certainly agree that in the beginning, you should not worry about how quickly you start speaking because there is a bit of a natural process to it. You should recognize that what will make you want to speak and want to 
uh, engage in conversation is hearing and reading a lot of stuff that you understand. I mean, the idea that you wouldn't want to say what you know how to say that mm -hmm. you've heard 50 times when you're around Chinese people is kind of a, a little bit crazy to me. Maybe if you were super shy and introverted, but like imagine that you understood the sentence some sentence 50 times and it's the perfect time to say it in a conversation but you're just like no i'm not, not gonna say it like sure but there's also like there's some people that do have a time limit they set themselves like uh what was that guy's name is it charlie charles the guy that was like uh he's got a chinese wife and he's given himself a year yeah i've forgotten his, i forgot his, his name. name sorry mate but uh you know he's like i want to do this in a year so if that's the case then you're you know then invest more time and money in targeted speaking practice of course yeah but if you're just a, you know you're, you're learning chinese you just uh you just want to learn the language as, as you know quickly but uh also you don't want to push yourself and rush yourself to speak don't do that you know you don't need to that's not the most important part believe it or not yeah and i mean there <clears> are <throat> things you know like we brought up katsumoto before and mm -hmm. uh he's a big advocate for doing uh i didn't actually say his name actually Kats yeah Kats that's the yeah uh, the age at ajatt.com yeah. guy uh he has you know he's into non-comprehensible immersion at the beginning mm -hmm. which is you know not as good as comprehensible input comparatively speaking but it's you know you don't have much you can comprehend at the beginning. So if you have the language that you're trying to study playing in your house all the time, like you just set up a speaker somewhere and it's always playing, then you're at least exposing yourself to language more. And I imagine that if you had a baby who, you know, always had uh, some like English language or native language, you know, uh, content playing around them, they might pick up their first word a little bit faster than if you didn't. But you know, on the other hand, it's kind of in the same way that we don't. The parents don't worry about it. I don't think you should worry about it either, because worrying is unfortunately the enemy of language acquisition. If you're anxious about it, then you put yourself in a different state of mind where you're not just kind any of any learning. Yeah, really. right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah but certainly, language acquisition is any learning, and particularly language acquisition. Mm. All right. So another one from uh, oh, this is, uh, Ryan Smith hasn't sent. This is the only one from him this week, isn't it? Oh, he said uh, he said an example of earlier in the cast. I did, yeah. In the uh, props. Ryan Smith, um, <clears throat> on the most recent episode, number five, someone asked if learning Mandarin had given you more refined sense of hearing. Your response was that we weren't really sure. So I thought I might provide you with another person's experience with this. My personal background, I have a bachelor's in linguistics <clears throat> and a master's in computational, computational linguistics. So I have studied a fair amount about phonetics. In addition to that, I've trained myself to have a decent ear for a large list of languages, Mandarin, Cantonese, Japanese, Russian, Finnish, Georgian, French, Dutch, and a number of others to varying degrees of accuracy. Wow. Uh, with all of this, one might think that I've developed or was just gifted with a spe spectacular ear for languages, but the truth is I really don't. Every time I start training myself with the sounds of a new language, I start with the same confusing experience as everyone else. Having prior experience with a larger number of consonants and vowels then gives me the most sl uh, a, a slight head start, but it still is always muddled with how they interact in this new language. Mm. The only thing that really gives me an advantage over anyone else is just the knowledge of how to study the sound system of new language along with prior knowledge of what things like pharyngeal or palatal consonants means. <laughs> Of course, that's just my personal experiences with language learning, but uh, I've known people who pick up languages much faster than me and to me seem to have special abilities where all I have is the willing to put in the time and effort into it. And mm. that's great. And I think that, like they say, you know, it's um, talent or whatever is 99% is or some sort of very high percentage hard work and mm. effort. And yeah. it's not actually uh, and sweat, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I had a, um, a music teacher once say to me, I I've never seen a talented musician in my life. And his point was, here's what talent would be. If somebody who's never picked up a trumpet before just walks over to one and just picks it up and just starts playing like Dizzy Gillespie. He's like, every trumpet player I've known spent hours and hours and hours on it, you know, in the practice room. And it's like, aptitude is a thing. Of course, aptitude is, yeah, is, 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 is an aspect. But it really comes down to, well, it's, it's going to come up in this next uh, question, but there was a point that uh, – let me just uh, actually go back up a little bit. There was a point that Ryan made here. Let's see here. Um, ah, yeah, so he says, every time I start training myself with the sounds of a new language, I start with the same confusing experience as anyone else having prior experience with a larger number of consonants and vowels. 
gives them a head start, but always sort of muddled with how they interact. And that, I think, is an interesting point because I imagine that suppose um, I went to learn Cantonese. I bet that knowing Mandarin overall would help me, but it's like there would be some sounds that I would want to fall back on my Mandarin instinct because it's you know a different sound system. So I can see how it's both. And this was my instinct, but I didn't base it on anything. It was just my feeling about it because you know I, I mentioned in that podcast that I thought you'd think that maybe because I'm a musician that that would help with the hearing of you know the sounds that are coming in Chinese. But I don't really, I don't think so. It's a subjective experience, but I don't think it's making any difference. Yeah, so absolutely. It's all about the time. Mm-hmm. And I was right. just, just uh, that just reminded me of something. I know it's not related to pronunciation or identifying sounds, but learning Chinese will help you learn other languages. Say you just know English or what have you, like like we did. Hmm. Um, learning Chinese has helped me massively in learning Spanish. Not that I've made massive progress, but I'm working, you know, a little bit every day, and I can use Chinese words and Chinese sounds to help me make mnemonics to learn Spanish words. Right. Yeah. You know? So that's just one aspect that just popped into my mind there so there are advantages to uh developing like as you, as you develop more languages and skills in that area for sure for um, sure yeah, okay so these next two are both kind of related to grammar acquisition so i put mm -hmm. them together here so we have one email from jeffrey and he says hi can you help me navigate on which level i will learn grammar i've been scanning through level 25 <coughs> but i can't see it and will you have a video explaining how to construct a sentence as you do in the pronunciation mastery course and i'll, I'll get to that in a second and then jim says towards the end of level seven phil said that understanding a sentence is how a person starts slowly building their understanding of grammar i know that sentences aren't my focus until character 105 and i also know that there are infinite variations of sentences i'm just curious what to expect once i reach character 105 mm. and focus on sentences so these are very related mm. uh so the response i, I sent jeffrey a, uh, an email about this in response because you know it comes down to the idea that the way that we should acquire grammar is by looking at sentence structures and understanding how they're put together now we're adults and so we like to think like that we like to go well how is this constructed we're very curious in that way in a way that children aren't they're just sort of like taking it in we're we're you know able to conceptualize the idea of a subject verb object or throwing in an adverb we can understand that to some degree but it's is sort of categorically different than acquiring language so what i said was you actually have been getting our grammar materials since level 13 and learning grammar or more specifically acquiring grammar now with that said, it's important to think a little bit about what is the process that's happening in your brain. So, you know, we brought up before the idea of 99% of talent is work and effort. It's about the days, about the hours, more than it is about the days or the years. And what is happening anytime that you repeat a behavior? Uh, this is just based on some research that I was doing last week, and I also had heard about this before. But uh, when you do a behavior that is either good or bad. Like for me, I'm a nail biter, so that cr increases, that's a bad behavior that I'll keep doing, or maybe it's uh, going to the gym every day. When you do the behavior, it increases what is called um, myelin on your neuron. So the neuron has got three very basic parts. I mean, I'm, it could go way more detailed than this, but you've got like the nucleus, which is the main part of the neuron, uh, an axon, which is sort of the tr the way that energy travels from the mm -hmm. nucleus to other neurons, and then the axon terminal, which connects to the other neurons. Now, that axon is kind of like a tube. So if you look at a picture of a neuron, it's sort of the long part of the neuron. And electricity can degrade and disperse, right? So what stops it from dispersing in the axon is these sheaths called myelin, yeah, right? Fatty sheaths, I remember. Yeah, exactly. And when you do a behavior mm. uh, through a process called myelination, you add a layer to that. And so that's why people who are incredible at their, say, piano is one that always What's comes that up mean? to it. Yeah. Right? yeah, to some, yeah. So, what if you, we, I play with a piano player named Mark, and he's so skilled that he doesn't have to think about something. We'll just say, hey, Mark, can you uh, change the key to E flat? And he just does it, right? He doesn't even have to think about it. And so, mm. what's happening there is that the myelin sheaths around his neurons are so well developed that the energy just passes through them without him even having to consciously think about it. So, when you are taking in a sentence in Chinese that you understand, you could think of that as adding a very thin layer of myelin around the axon that 
relates to that particular language center in your brain. And this isn't something that you can do once and expect the energy to not degrade. But as you do this, what you're picking up on and what you're creating the myelin sheaths about is the pattern more so than the specifics of that individual sentence. So, mm. you know, if I if there's a pattern that happens with sentences where an, a, an object or an, a noun or a person tends to go before this other thing, you know, maybe a, a verb, well, it's not the rule that you're getting accustomed to. It's the pattern mm. of these these of these many sentences that have the same you know sort of rules within them. So, why do I, why do I bring that up? Well, because there is some debate about whether or not learning grammar rules is effective. We tend to kind of fall in the camp of it's pretty risky to do because you yeah. it's very tempting to do. You want to like go, oh, I learned all these grammar rules because I read this book. And it can kind of lead you astray. But because there is some debate about it, we do actually have some materials about it. Those materials relate to the tags that we put in your Anki decks. I feel like you had a. Do you have a comment you wanted to say about the theory before I get into? This no, specific? I just I, I was just gonna. But like one little thing was just that. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not. There's there's people that are much smarter than us, and also that have been studying this all their lives that are, mm -hmm. you know, that that have very different opinions. So we don't want to sit here and say that we know how grammar is acquired. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitively, but so that's why we're sort of. They don't want to put all our eggs in one basket. I'm certainly yeah. more than willing to say that this is where my instinct tells me. Absolutely, but, you know, yeah. nonetheless, Based though. Based on our experience. Yeah, and our well. experience and, and, and research, whatever. But, yeah, yeah still, you're, you're absolutely right. And there is debate about it. So we, I was thinking about this um, a few months ago. What's mm. the best way to present this in a way that's sticking with the idea of building up those, you could think of it this way, it's building up those myelin sheaths mm. of pattern recognition while also pointing it out to people. So we yeah. go, oh, look, this thing you already saw, you already saw several sentences like this, it happens to have this structure. So <clears throat> what I did with the help of our Sichuan University teacher, Annie, who's been just smashing the grammar materials that we've been making, um, was come up with a tagging system for each sentence that shows the sentence structure, but at least with some language that's not so boring and linguistic, right? And so uh, I might have a structure that's something like host, how, does, what, uh, type of object. And what that would mean is that you've got a subject that has an adverbial modifier and a verb uh, and an object. Mm. And uh, and well, the type of is a Chinese uh, character called dingyu. It's a Chinese grammar point where it's basically saying, you know, I could say mama or I could say wo the mama. So it's what type of mom is it? It's mine. Or, um, you know, uh, there's many other any other ways you could describe the subject. But mama is still the subject. It's like, like what kind. The mama yeah, yeah, that sure. That yeah, yeah, yeah the, the like, mother of life. Or something like that. Like, like, oh, Sheng Bing. Sheng Bing, the mother. Sick mother. Would that yeah, work sure, sure. Well, that, that, well, that, right, because it's still she's the point right she's right. the subject and so you say yeah. Bing the mama is a description of her so that you would call that a ding yu. and all of that stuff is you know if that you get too so long to get my head around when right. I was there. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah all that stuff if you just say type of host so what what type of mama is it oh it's the mm. kind that's sick or whatever right, right. and so these aren't linguistically precise terms but what they allow for you to do is get the basic idea and visualize it now uh, there's about 30 or 40 of these sentence structure tags, and then we have a bunch of grammar word tags and some other tags. And the answer for Jeffrey is that you're already acquiring grammar. These sentences that you have do have tags, and if you're a bit um, of a go-getter and you like to figure this stuff out, you can go and look through the tags and see if you can spot these patterns. But we also haven't totally finished the materials on this yet. As you guys know, this is a living course, and we're still building it up. And Right now, we actually feel that the priority is to expand out the order further so that you can keep going past level 36. But it is, we do actually have some ideas already and some plans for how we're going to present that material. But just remember that there is a whole bunch of linguistic research that says that the main thing that you should be doing is understanding the messages you're seeing. So even though it's an unconscious process, even though it's something that doesn't maybe feel so satisfying when you're just looking at a bunch of sentences compared to reading a grammar point and going, I understand that grammar point conceptually in an abstract way. 
uh, it's actually helping you. It's definitely helping mm-hmm. you. And so it's building that myelin. Yeah, yeah, building up those myelin sheaths. So yeah. isn't, it, isn't it just really annoying that uh, like when you were explaining all this stuff about neurons, I knew what a neuron was, an axon, an axon, and mm-hmm. I knew what a myelin sheath was. Mm. But I don't know how to balance a checkbook or anything <laughs> useful. You know? Yes. Well, I, le- I know all of the planets of our solar system in order, but I don't know how to, you know, make a marriage work. Or <laughs> like, like, why? Well, you just have to keep homeschool uh, your kids. Okay. He's got to build up those myelin sheaths around checkbooks. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so um, so that kind of relates to what Jim was asking: is what can you expect after character one hundred and five? Well, you can expect to get sentences mm. that are made of the characters and words that you already know, which means that your likelihood of understanding them is incredibly high. And of course, if we do insert <coughs> a word that you don't know yet, we tell you it's like we call them top-down words, which is basically just okay. This word is high frequency enough and used enough that you could learn it without necessarily building from the bottom up to the components and pinyin and whatever. You might just be able to learn it because it people say it all the time so we'll call those top-down words we will give you the pinion for those but everything else you already know the pinion because you got these great mnemonic scenes for them so as the you progress through the course when you get past character 105 you know enough to be able to start building up those grammar mile mile and sheaths yeah and i would like to as i said we, we are making really good progress on building out the order we're gonna mm. we're gonna update on that very very soon yeah, um, we're we're really excited about it. Oh, we've, yeah, been, we've been itching to do this for so long, but yeah. you know, just mainly just the two of us. So so much stuff keeps coming up, and sure, sure. we're finally ready to, you know, start. Well, luckily, all the structure, the course is in place, so it mm. won't take nearly as long as it made to build the, the really original. Really tough part is over. Yeah, right, yeah. for us. So yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So let's uh, go to the next question here. Oh yeah, this is a question from uh, Abigail, and this is one of those questions I understand why she asked it, but it's actually not really that important. So she says this character looks very similar to Zhen, and she's referring to the character Zhu, yeah. which is Just like the <laughs> difference between that and that. Yeah, it's, they they are very similar. So if you look at the show notes, you'll see uh, how they're related. And so uh, Zhu and Zhen, mm. the, first of all, bear in mind that they're going to have different uh, actors and a different set already so the difference that you're going to come up with in your mind in the two mnemonic scenes are like i mean the environment's different and the person there with you is different so mm. that's your first thing that you can count on to help you remember it but the second thing is is that when you're first starting out oh let me just finish your question so how do you differentiate between the two uh i.e in the movie scene do you have have to make it clear in what order the samurai sword and banana cut each other right because those are the two props a samurai sword and a banana mm. and you know what I the overall point I want to make about this is that this is not this is something that when you're just starting you think is going to be a problem but then you're going to discover really quickly when you start seeing either of these in context that it's not as much of a problem. First of all, Zhen is way more common than Zhu. So when you see Zhu, you're going to be like, "Oh, yeah, that's that one that looks a little bit different." Um and so like that's the first thing is you're not going to have a problem with this. But secondly, um and also, ba, by the way, that also has a samurai sword and a banana as the prop, but it's separated at yeah, the top. Yeah. Still, you're still not going to have a problem. But then finally, I mean, you could probably make the point about how you might differentiate between well, them. I was going to say, because I, I think I did this lesson. I did it a, few, few, a little while ago now, but um, I remember making it. If, if you ever worry about things like that, you're concerned about how I'm going to remember these small differences. Because there are like a bunch of characters that look very similar to each other. Or like like these three, for example, you know, Zhen, uh, Zhu, and Ba. So if you're worried about that at any point, because to be fair to her, she, she's learning the two very close to each other, mm-hmm. right? So it could seem like you might get confused. So I would just make a point to slow down. I believe I say something like this in the actual video itself. Make sure that it, you see it like that. So I believe it will be samurai sword. Yeah, so from you, you guys' perspective, it would be like samurai sword here. So make sure that the banana is pierced on the samurai sword for this particular one. But for the other way around, maybe it's the other way, you know, it's the other way around. Maybe the banana is sort of poke, like defending, you know, so you can just slow, and, and to make it clearer, you can slow things down. You can do camera close-ups as well. So that's why we added in what we call special effects to this entire method to sort of uh, bring out certain details yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so there's always ways to do it, but I, I, I promise you won't have any trouble with this, Abigail. Worst case scenario, you spend an extra 30 seconds trying to think of a special effect, and you go to review it in Anki a couple of days later, and you don't get it quite right. And mm. then you go back and you tweak it, 
you try again. And that's also another thing as well. The reason why we keep asking you pretty much at the end of every lesson to write out the character mm -hmm. as you learn it just once if, or twice if you want, but just once while you're learning it and again when you're reviewing it. And that's another thing. So it's a myelin thing, you know, you yep. want to develop that fatty sheath around the muscle memory for your handwriting is also helpful. That will also help trigger. It's a tactile response that you get yeah. from that. It's definitely real. Cool. So uh, another one, uh, Ryan Smith on Anki Decks inside level, oh, level nine complete. Uh, I love that you guys are so encouraging in these new review videos. Really does a good job of making me pumped to keep going. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that it's because we believe it. You know, we know that because we experienced it. We went through the process of learning Chinese, and we had the doubts where we're like, "Can I do this?" Everybody thinks that because it's yeah. the hardest language in the world, right? But what we realize, especially around level nine, level ten, if you've made it that far, you can start to see how this is going to work and mm -hmm. how you're going to make it because. When you start any big project, if you don't know the way, you're kind of like, well, maybe I'll be able to do it. And so you have to kind of, mm. to some degree, take a little leap of faith and try to figure it out. But when once you reach a certain level, you go, oh, I can see the path to the top of the mountain. And it yeah. might be a long way, but I can see how I'm going to get there. And once you reach that point, the motivation becomes self-sustaining. Mm. So, you know, if we can help provide a bit more extra motivation, we'll always do so. Yeah. And it was kind of easier for us because we were in China. We had invested mm. time and, and effort in coming to China, and we were surrounded by Chinese people all day. Yeah. So it was like, uh, with us, it was it was easier to keep pushing through, I guess, mm -hmm. because it's like, well, I'm, I'm here now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and figure out how this works. But for someone that's, say, in America or whatever, and you've got, you know, you've got other things that you could be learning or other things you could be doing, of course you need that motivation and clarity and guarantee that you're going to make progress. Right, Otherwise, right. it's easier to give up, right? So, yeah. thanks. All right, so the next three questions are all related to Anki, and I figured this is a good point to remind you that the format of our podcast is always that we leave the timestamps in the actual show notes. So if you don't want to hear about stuff related to Anki, you could just skip ahead to the uh, next section. So uh, the first one, uh, Keith Wilkins says on Character 19, uh, it doesn't really matter. He says, thanks, guys. The suggestion you gave about using the suspend function in Anki and then unsuspending them as you come up to the new ones really helped me out a lot, much less confusing for me this way. This is great feedback to get from, from our perspective because, you know, the, the whole suspending, unsuspending thing was actually something we, we used to do with our live students, but we thought it was a little bit, you know, sort of – uh, it, it was a bit finicky. It put people on, like, they had to, you know, what do you have to do? I have to suspend all the cards, and then I have to unsuspend them. So we tried to come up with a different way, but finding out that this is actually still the best way is fine. You know, Anki is, as we've always talked about, is not the most user-friendly app, so sometimes when you have things like Memrise out there that are so nice and just work uh, so well, and then you have to go to an app that looks like it was made in the, you know, late 90s or something, it can be a bit... Uh, frustrating, but it is actually quite easy. What, just as a reminder, here's what you do. So if you want to unsuspend cards as you're going through the course, when you receive your Anki decks, you select all of the cards and you hit the suspend button. That's either Command J in Anki 2.1 or if it's Anki 2.0, there's a little suspend button at the top and of the browse. And it's Command at sign. Uh, uh, sorry, Shift at. Uh, is that another one? Yeah. In, in Anki 2.0. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, that's what you do in Browse to suspend all the cards. And then what you do is you open Browse while you're learning new content, have it next to you on the screen, next to the video course. And as you learn a new video, you unlock a new prop, you learn a new actor. First of all, you edit the Anki card to put in your actor's name, your prop name, and uh, you know maybe you learned a character and you just unsuspend the card. But as you mm -hmm. do it, you unsuspend the cards and then they go into your queue. And the only thing I would say is a one-time setting thing that you should do, which is to set your new cards per day to a really high number. Because that way, when you unsuspend the card, it'll definitely go into the queue. Because all of the cards are suspended. That means none of them will show up if you don't unsuspend them. Mm -hmm. So you just don't want to have that to be an unnecessary limitation. Just set the new cards per day to like a 1,000 or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that way, every time you unsuspend a new card, it goes right in the queue. All right. So next we have Jay asking a question uh, about Anki and also writing down scripts. And like, I don't mind this question coming up a lot because I really want people to have more and more chances to hear this. So he says, hi, do I somewhere record slash write down my script in Anki or is it just in my head? Cheers, Jay. Well, it's just in your head, Jay. Just, just in your yeah, head. Yeah, so like, 
the key point of this is that we don't want to rely on notes. And in fact, the reason why this technique was so popular during the ancient, like the time of the ancient Greeks and, and afterwards up until the invention of, you know, uh, paper and, and things like that and, and, and easily, and where the average person could easily write stuff and down stuff, and yeah. printing and what, what have you. That's why these techniques were so popular back then because everyone needed them, right? Mm -hmm. You needed because you didn't have, the average person certainly didn't have, even like scholars and stuff, didn't have an easy way of writing stuff down, noting stuff down. So they would put everything up here. But then as like, you know, computers and notepads got invented, we, uh, we lost this skill. Yeah. But now we have it again, right? We're reintroducing this amazing skill to you where you don't need to rely on notes. Mm -hmm. um, so if it makes you feel better, or, or, or of course, if you want to share a story with the public <laughs> on, on our platform, then please, please do write down and share it. But uh, for your own personal use, try and stop using it. You can see it as training wheels. Yeah. You know, and the longer you use the training reels, the longer you need them, right? So get rid of the training reels as soon as possible. It's going to be tougher, you know, it's going to be jumping in the deep end, but it's going to be yeah. worth it in the long term. Yeah, that reminds me of a time when I was uh, uh, learning uh, some sight reading music for, uh, I was, I was um, auditioning for state jazz choir when I was a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I'm a okay singer. I can carry a tune, but I was practicing with the, um, very best female singer in our high school and she was we were in the practice room and the piano was there and i remember i had the metronome and the recording of the song on and i kept like going back to the recording and and checking the piano and listening to the metronome and then she just went turn, turn off stop turn, turn off go and i was just like what and she was like just go and then we figured it out so much faster because i stopped like relying on all that stuff and it was really this cool moment now of course she was better than me so it's easier for her to do that but i still got her point she was just trying to say just jump in figure it out make a mistake do it wrong and then fix it so yeah yeah all right uh, another one from jay uh, jay west uh hi in my anki deck the picture of the na like banana um the as in na the the stroke is a square how can i fix this so this happens um sometimes with uh certain pcs or or macs that don't have certain fonts installed i believe okay. and so it's there's not much that can be done about it relating to the font but what you can do is paste a picture in that spot which is totally mm -hmm. fine to do anki is one thing that's good about anki is it's very customizable so all you would have to do mm -hmm. and i i put this uh comment in response to um uh i'm sorry what was the name again jay. Uh, jay in response to jay i put this comment and uh, you can just search for nah uh, which is a kind of complicated Chinese character, but it's the representation of that stroke into Google Images, and like a million of them will come up, and you can just copy and uh, put that uh, right in. So even though the font might not have a, a corresponding mm. na stroke, you can find a picture. So that's the way to do that. Great. So the next bit here, we've got some make a movie, some uh, movie scenes. Yeah, we've got two scenes. Yeah, one from Chad and one from Ryan. So Chad... He's in uh, his girlfriend's apartment. Well, first of all, I should say this is for character 48, Jin. Oh, Jin as in Jintian, meaning presently or yeah, today. Yeah. Mm. Um, so the actor, because it's J-I, that's Ji, so it'll be a, a woman. So it'll be Janice, his stepmother. Mm. And he's in his girlfriend's apartment outside the entrance because it's first tone. That's what mm -hmm. that part of the house represents. The prop would be the umbrella at the top. A teardrop for the little dot and Dr. Spock for that sort of looks like a kind of elf's ear yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of uh, prop. So we've got three props here. My girlfriend and I are standing outside the entrance to her apartment where we first spent time. My stepmom, Janice, is there holding an umbrella looking at her day planner. I ask what she's doing and she shows me her day planner with today's date circle in red uh, and, and a red today written in the box and states, today is the day we make first contact. Oh. This is, I guess that's a Star Trek reference. Uh, it's just like first contact with aliens, I believe. Uh, all of a sudden, Dr. Spock lands and walks over to us in the rain. My stepmom holds the umbrella over his head as we see a teardrop coming from his eye. He is half human after all. He gives us the Vulcan salute and says, long live. Uh, live long and prosper sorry mm. uh that's really really good because um, the whole idea of this for those that aren't too familiar you use that you interact with the, you make the actors interact with the props 
and in that specific location in a way that represents the keyword meaning, the meaning of the character. And the meaning of the character is tough because it's when it's very abstract, obviously we give you loads of tips on how to do this. It, it actually is not tough after you've uh, taken the course, but it can be tough for beginners. Right. Think, how can I make this idea of today you know, concrete and obvious visually? Because it has to mm -hmm. be visual, at mm -hmm. least have some visual element to it. And I believe that in, I, I did this lesson as well, the actual video, and that was sort of something that I did. I had like a day planner or a, I had, I believe I had a day calendar where you take the, rip the days right, off. Right, right, sure. That shows it's, look, it's today, like to show this, make this abstract thing, the idea of today, real. Mm -hmm. um, so oh, I just had a thought too, like um, that they could work for a more monthly based calendar, right? Yeah. So here's how you could do it visually, because my mom always had a calendar right on the refrigerator, mm -hmm. um, you know, that she still does. Right. And so you could have, a, a day that's circled and mm. sh show that every single day before it is crossed out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would, that would represent today as well. So like, you know, this is another idea that came to my mind just now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what will tend to happen. You'll think of one idea and it'll give you loads of connections. Right. To right. It. Um, I did want to make a comment about his mm. girlfriend being in the scene. So, mm. uh, this is taking place in his girlfriend's apartment. So if his girlfriend is not, one of the his other actors then this is fine because she comes with the apartment right like yeah. so if you're having a scene in your childhood home and you're not using your mom and dad as actors which we recommend that you don't use them as actors they can be there because they kind of come with your childhood home but if it's if your girlfriend is one of your other actors you run the risk of confusing yourself on mm -hmm. which particular actor it is so you don't want to have contradictions in your scene but uh, if she's not one of your actors, then that's fine. And yeah, so other than that, though, I, I quite like it. And of course, the first contact brings Dr. Spock in. So it gets even a, it get, derives inspiration for the scene from the prop, which is Dr. Spock, which yeah. is quite, quite cool. Yeah, good. And you don't even need to make it rain. You know, it doesn't, it, it, like, I see why you did it, obviously, because of the umbrella. Yeah. It doesn't have to be raining. Yeah. Well, and if you're in China, then there's more umbrellas on a sunny day than there are on a rainy day. It's true. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, last one here, and last one of today's podcast as well, I believe. Uh, Ryan Smith on character number 74, Shang, as in the one we talked about earlier, above. above. So why don't you walk through this one? Sure. So this <coughs> takes place in his the location or the set, which represents the uh, ending of the character. Friend's bathroom in Texas. So it's the bathroom because it's fourth tone. Mm. And the house in Texas, a house where we hang out when in Texas. So I can see that. I mean, it's a bit broad, but if it works, it works. So any, hang. Any connection, however tenuous, mm -hmm. will work. You know? Yeah, yeah. What was yours? Yeah. Not England. Oh, was man. The... Like my ENG location was my first um, Chengdu apartment. Not yeah. because Chengdu has ENG. No, no, no. It was because it's not England, Eng, ENG yeah, yeah. is ridiculous, but it worked every single yeah, yeah. time. And so ANG is the final here. It's a place where you used to hang, which is also ANG. So it's a good location. All right. Props, a cigar and a crystal ball. Mm -hmm. That's correct. So you have the cigar representing the, the horizontal line at the bottom. And then the crystal ball makes sense because the top part of Shang and the bottom part of Xia are, they come from the character Bu, which means divination. Uh, it's an ancient Chinese character. It's a very simple character. It's just two strokes. Mm. And so Crystal Ball is a good representation of divination. And his actor is Sean Connery. Hooray. All right. So here's the scene. Sean Connery is smoking a cigar in my friend's bathroom. That is, of course, a terrible idea and thing to do since this particular bathroom is connected to the nursery. Mentally, I can hear their crying baby hacking due to the smoke hole, which is a minor, unimportant detail that my mind just can't help but add in. <laughs> okay. In order to contain the smoke of his cigar, which naturally rises anyways, he reaches far uh, above him to a crystal ball hanging from the ceiling and lets the smoke fill the crystal ball instead of just pillowing throughout the bathroom you mean billowing billowing pillowing um <laughs> it's easy to remember the above aspect because smoke tends to rise anyways that's true mm -hmm. having the smoke fill the crystal ball makes it look more like the mythical crystal ball you see in movies sure but also and the the crystal ball was above mm -hmm. you had to reach yeah, above yeah. so that works for me as well uh and this is the second time we've yelled at sean connery for smoking cigars the first was with sure the character for 10 where thou shall not smoke was one of his Ten Commandments. We talked about that, I think, in the first yeah, podcast, maybe? Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and so, which also helps to link the scene to other bits of memory. So, mm. I mean, Ryan's getting even better at this. He was, he was pretty much a natural, but he's getting better. And of course, now that we found out that he's a, a computational linguistics master, uh, then, you know, it's not that surprising, but yeah. well done, Ryan, you're, you're doing great with this and everything's in the scene. You got the cigar, you got mm-hmm. the crystal ball props covered. Obviously you have Sean Connery adding in that little point about the, uh, the baby adds emotion to the scene that would make it more memorable. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's it's not necessary to the scene, but with Ryan's skill at this, I'm not worried about it. These sorts um, of details that again, they'll take a while to describe, but they happen in instantly oh, anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, one thing I would say about this, just just for other listeners, I'm sure it works fine for Ryan, but um, the idea of above may not be clear enough for the average person to like. It, I'm not in Ryan's head, right? So, and I always say this, but it's just in case. I always mm-hmm. like to make it a bit more clear, like so, like. He's kind of has like because he's made he's reaching up for the crystal yeah and the ball. smoke rising but idea. The crystal ball is above the cigar anyway mm-hmm. in terms of an actual component. Yeah. So you might be like, okay, well, what's the meaning of this character? There's a risk of that. So mm-hmm. I would say it might be if you did this character and then in Anki you were sort of like, okay, I remember everything, but I can't remember the meaning. That right, often happens. Right. If that were to happen, then you could just make the idea of above a little bit more clear visually. Hmm. So, you know, maybe, you know, the, the crystal ball is first on the ground and he, he lifts it up above and he, and it's like, or even better, the smoke, the smoke like comes underneath it and lifts it up like and a lifts lantern. It up because smoke rises, which is the point. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah sure. That could yeah. work. But, but yeah, I'm, I always like to be just to point out stuff like that just for other listeners. It's always, you have to make it visually as clear as possible just going forward. It's like a general guideline, but uh, that's Great. awesome. Great. Well so done. That's uh, all the comments and questions from this week. As a reminder, the Pronunciation Mastery video course is now free of charge, so you can sign up for it right away. Uh, if you have any other questions that you want to send in, leave a comment below any of the lessons in the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. We also have a 10, 10-day free trial on that course. All these links you can find in the description. And uh, we love this stuff. Keep bringing them in. Uh, you can also send to our email as well, support at mandarinblueprint.com. And stay tuned for much more updates in the expansion of the courses. All right, see you guys. Cheers.